Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. What's going on, folks? This is M.A. Dozier with another Nimrod Outdoors podcast. Hope y'all are doing well today. Uh, hi, I am Chelsea, and uh, welcome to another podcast. I think this is episode three of season two. Um, and so, Emily, tell us what you did this past weekend. It was kind of an exciting weekend. Yeah, so uh, we as a family got the privilege of going to hang out with Northside Baptist uh, in Calhoun Falls, South Carolina. Pastor Brian Hip and his wonderful wife, Michelle, invited us to come share the heart of the ministry. Um, and so it was a great time uh, fellowshipping and worshiping uh, with Northside Baptist and yeah. um, getting to share our hearts. Um, and uh, it was a pretty cool, pretty cool connection there because uh, Pastor Hip and his wife, Michelle, actually came to the house and did a respite care uh, stay with us back in the fall. Um, Chelsea, you always do a great job with those respite cares, loving on people putting baskets together for them. And so obviously you made, obviously you made an impression because they invited us to the church. So you're doing, you're doing a great job. That's not me. That's all guys. Oh, but, uh, well, you have, uh, you have a little, little bit of extra accessories going on uh, this week. So what, what's up with that? Yeah. Well, we're what, 12 days post-injury now. Um, If you tuned into the last podcast, I'd sprain my ankle and my husband was making fun of me for my uh, inability to get around the house. Um, <laughs> but anyway, and now the swelling is, is still going and it's still not very pretty. So um, after a doctor's appointment, I get to now spend the next two weeks in this beautiful um, chunky boot. Yes, chunky boot. Well, you, but you're getting around a little bit better. It's getting a little. I am, I am. It, it's still hard to chase the kids, but yeah. it does make a pretty good paddle. Yeah. What What I find hilarious, if y'all don't know much about Chelsea, uh, she is stubborn and hard headed. I'm hard headed. Uh, That's all you have to say. <laughs> As a mule, and uh, up until she went to the doctor's appointment, I think she was fully expecting to be able to play soccer again this this weekend. Yes, it's like <laughs> the second round of the tournament on Saturday. <laughs> And until yesterday, like I had hopes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, well, Chelsea, what are we going to talk about today? Something that you and I have been conversating about a lot lately. Um, and that is, there is, you know, it is scriptural. God is love. Like, I think everyone would agree that that is in scripture and it is truth. Um, but what we've kind of been talking about is how our culture has almost skewed that. Um, I wouldn't even say skewed it. It's more of they've magnified it. And, and they view it as God is love, and that's it. Like, that's all he is, is love. And I think that uh, our culture today is missing all the other characteristics of who God is. And they just think, like, that is either the only characteristic or maybe the most important characteristic or... Um, is most predominant characteristic, but that, that's not the truth. No, it's not. Um, you know, God, God is more than just love. He is also holy. He is just. Uh, he is righteous. Um, and so, you know, one thing that actually you and I were talking about last night in the kitchen is, you know, his love can never outdo those other characteristics. Like right. his love cannot outdo his holiness. 
if his love could outdo his holiness, then we we wouldn't need Jesus in our life because he could have just forgiven sin. Um, and I know a lot of y'all are listening and probably being like, well, he did forgive sin. Actually, he didn't. He didn't forgive sin. He forgave us of our sins, but our sins were paid for by the blood of Christ on the cross. And so therefore, because he is holy, he cannot accept sin. And so therefore he can't just love us. He can't love our sin out of us. He, there had to be a payment for our sin. And so even though God is love and, and, you know, Romans five, eight says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. But here's the thing is, is that love is also built into the character of his holiness and his righteousness and his justness. And so, you know, that's where they have to work in tandem. And that's where we, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we have to have Jesus in our life. That's why it was so important for Jesus to come is because if God was all just love and he could just forgive our sin, then there was no need for Jesus to come down here and live a perfect life and die. Sure. Um, In one of my past lives, um, when I worked for a camp, um, there was one of the other ladies who worked there. Um, She believed that there was multiple ways to heaven. And she would always talk about like, God is love. Like God loves us and loves everyone for who they are. And, and she used to think there was multiple paths to heaven. And man, it used to just like, hurt me because I was like, ha, there's no scripture. And I would ask her like, where's the scripture? And she's like, well, we don't need scripture for that. And I was like, well, no, like, <laughs> like, what are we doing with, with we, I mean, I just can't believe, or I can't imagine like God looking down on that and just being like, man, what in the world? Yeah. I mean, I guess he's used to it by now because we're just constantly going down the wrong paths. And, um, but we've seen his wrath, you know, with in the old Testament, what he's done to humanity every time they get too far away from who he is. But um, like he has given us the living word and it's all right there. But yeah. Well, and that's the thing I, I, you know, you're, you're nailing it where this individual that you're talking about said, you know, we don't need scripture that well, we do like mm-hmm. the old Testament. A lot of, a lot of people nowadays in our culture and our church culture today don't want to dive into the old Testament because they're like, well, that's old. Like Jesus has come. We're in a new time. That is true. Except for the fact that the old Testament shows us exactly who God is in his character and why Jesus um, came and why Jesus came. And, and, you know, we're not going to dive too deep into the character attributes of God, but, you know, like you said, um, you know, when we were talking before, like that would probably be a really good podcast. Um, yeah, like you know, podcast, yeah on the, <laughs> on the character of God. And so the old Testament points to who's the character of God. And one thing we know about God is he does not change. So the God he was in the Old Testament mm-hmm. is the God he was when Jesus came and yes. he is still the God, that God today. And so if we have a skewed view of God's character, which never changes, then we have a skewed theology of what God is and what is his expectation for us. Yeah, absolutely. And he has a pretty, um, pretty tough expectation for us. Like, yeah. what, is, what is God's expectation for us? Yeah. So that's something that I talk about with men all the time on our, in our men's weekends and our father's son weekends. And, you know, when I sit down and I talk to these guys, I ask them, I said, Hey, what, what is God's standard for us? What is his expectation? And, and man, unfortunately, the majority of the answers I get is, well, you know, we can't be perfect. So he doesn't expect that. He just expects us to live the best life we can. Um, 
But scripture is clear, and this is in the New Testament, and this is Jesus speaking himself. And you find in Matthew 5.48 that it says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And people struggle with that because they're like, well, I can't be perfect. How can that be his expectation if I'm not perfect? Well, that goes back to his character and how he is holy and he is just and he is righteous. And so because of our sin, we became imperfect. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. He did have a love toward us Mm -hmm. that he found a way to clothe that sin with righteousness. And that was through Jesus. But that doesn't mean that his standard changes because God's character is the same. And so his standard still to this day is perfection. And that's why we need Jesus in our lives, because Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. Um, But unfortunately, our culture, you know, our culture, even inside the evangelical church has, has bent into this direction of God is love. God, you know, God is, um, you know, all consuming love. That's all God is. Um, But there is a holiness to his side. And, you know, you see in the old Testament, um, I think it's um, a guy by the name of Uzzah, like they were moving the Ark of the Covenant and, God had made it very clear to them, like, do not touch the ark because it is is holy. Um, And it says that the oxen stumbled at the threshold. And so it wasn't even Uzzah's fault. The oxen stumbled Mm -hmm. and Uzzah reached out to catch the ark of the covenant. And the minute he touched it, God struck him dead. And in our culture today, we'd be like, well, that's not fair. That's not loving. But that that right there exudes the character trait of holiness, like God cannot exist and cannot participate and cannot be in contact with sin. Right. And that's why we are separated from him. And it it shows his character of just too, because like he had said, you cannot like do not touch the Ark of the Covenant. And, and he did. So even though it wasn't like he was doing it in spite of God or, or in an evil way, he still disobeyed. No, Uzzah probably thought, oh, I'm helping. Exactly. His reaction was like, oh no, like I need to keep this, like this is God's holy, like I need to keep this from hitting the ground. And it's not like he did it with evil, with an evil heart, you know? Sure. And um, we'll we'll look up that exact scripture and put it in the message notes uh, just so people can go back and look at it. um, Make sure we're not making stuff up. But but, uh, so Chelsea, if you'll put those in the notes, that'd be great. But yeah, it goes back to his holiness and in killing Uzzah, he was holy and he was righteous and he was justified. Yeah. And, and loving. And and loving. Because yeah, man, exactly. Because and we would say, How is that loving? Yeah. Well, it's loving because if he just forgave that transit transgression, he would no longer be holy because he would have associated with sin. And so that points even more back to why we need Jesus and the amazing, the amazing sacrifice Jesus made for us. Sure. And and our, and just our, we don't comprehend God's love. Like we have our own version of love. I mean, my kids love ice cream. They love candy. We can't compare that word love to God's like word of love. And, and even then, like we have a deeper love, you know, our love for each other and the love we have for our kids. I can't, I can't even comprehend more love than the love that I have for my own kids or you. And the the thought of like losing one of you guys, like 
is devastating and, and causes fear in my life. But even then, it's such a tiny glimpse to the lo- the love that God has. Sure. Um, well, what you're saying is kind of we don't have a proper definition of love. And you just hit something that made me think like <clears throat> we talk about the love of God and we talk about how we think that we comprehend the love of God. Um and we understand what love truly is, but maybe we have a wrong definition. And so one thing that comes to mind is, you know, it says that for God to love the world, that he gave up his only, you know, his one and only son yeah. to die for us. So we read that and we're kind of like, okay, yeah, I get it. But I, I want to put it in these perspectives. Imagine you're your father or your mother mm-hmm. and you have, let's say you have three, four, five kids and in order to save them, you take your oldest and you, you kill him. You allow him to die to save your other ones. And you openly and actively make that decision. Yeah. In our culture today, would we say, well, that was loving? No, we would say, holy cow, you just sacrificed your oldest son for the, for the rest of your kids. Yeah. Like, why couldn't you save him too? Yeah. That's what Jesus did. That, that's what God did for us. He gave up his first and only son for you and for me. He he allowed someone to be brutally beaten and murdered for our behalf. Yeah. Our culture can't comprehend that type of love. No. And that's where we need to understand that when we say God is love, we have a human, you know, finite definition of love. God's definition of love is infinite and, and way bigger. Paul says all the time in scripture, he was like, I'm speaking in human terms because we can't comprehend it at all. Mm-hmm. We can't, our, our finite minds, our finite human minds cannot comprehend the vastness of God. And when we talk about love, we need to understand that we are probably only comprehending zero, zero, zero point one percent of truly what love means yeah. and what, when and it says, and who God is and what, when God, when it says God is love, what does that truly mean? And we have to wrestle with the fact that it means that he sacrificed his one and only son for us. Whereas in our culture today, man, I can't imagine the backlash I would have in our culture if I said, all right, I'm going to give up my oldest child, not just give them up to the world, but like allow them to be brutally beaten and murdered and sit there and say, well, I'm doing this to save the rest of my family. Like our culture would not handle that well. Oh, no. But that's what God did for us. Sure. Um, and so that gets into the character of God. So at the end of the day, like when we talk about God's God's standard for us, it is perfection. And still to this day, it is perfection. Because if somehow Jesus' death on the cross negated the perfection, like the standard of perfection from God, then he would have just died and it would have been, you know, okay, Times change. Well, times don't change because we, in order to be clothed in that righteousness, we have to surrender our lives to Christ. And so it says that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. Um, and I preached, I, I preached on this at uh, Northside and Calhoun Falls this past week. Like, what does that mean, interceding? It means that every time now that I'm clothed in that righteousness, every time that I mess up as a father or as a husband, um, every time I mess up just as an individual um, and the wrath of God still hates sin. He still hates sin. That's still his character. And so when he sees that sin, he wants to put me in the ground. Like he, like I need to be put to death. The wages of sin is death. 
And that's God's wrath. That's his holiness, his perfect, just righteousness. And I deserve that. But it says that if I've surrendered my life to Christ, that he clo- Jesus clothes me in righteousness and that he's interceding. And so when I mess up, Jesus is standing there saying, no, 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 I've paid for that. I've covered that. I've clothed him in righteousness. You know, he's mine. And it almost like shields the wrath of God seeing our sin because it has been paid for by Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Like God knows we sin. He still expects perfection, but because we can't achieve that, we just can't. Um, I mean, he created us to be perfect. And the moment we allowed sin into the world, like we just ruined it all. Um, But he knows we sin. And because of that, he made provision through Jesus. Um, And so our relationship with God is based on Christ's perfection. Christ's perfection, not our own perfection. Like it's good. It's based on his. Um, So this is why Christ should be the center of our home. Like this is, this is the whole heart of Nimrod Outdoors and the ministry we do because um, like when Christ is first in our home and he's, he's first in our marriage and he's first when it comes to parenting, like we are seeking that perfection through Christ. Now we can't ever achieve that. But because of Christ, he's, uh, I don't know, like he's clothing us in in that. Sure. Um, So, yeah, like basically what this all means is we are imperfect. We are imperfect parents. (laughs) And the standard is perfection. We are imperfect people. We are imperfect. We have an imperfect marriage. Like Everything about us is imperfect. Yeah, we were talking about we this. We have imperfect kids. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about this in the kitchen, and we were, I think, trying to come up with a title for this podcast. I don't, I still don't think we have a title, but no, I think come up with this super long. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me I needed to calm it down because I was like imperfectly imperfect parents raising imperfect kids in an imperfect world in order to connect with a perfect creator. Yeah. That doesn't fit in a title line, does it? No. <laughs> but, it, but it specifically describes our, our, the, what we are and the heart of where we are and where we stand with God is the fact that we are imperfect. Yeah. Well, he clothes us in righteousness, but sanctifies us towards perfection. So, like, we can't be perfect ourselves. We can't do that on our own. Like, Jesus has to do that for us. And so it's like he's just chipping away slowly and through sanctification like we are becoming more like that perfect creation that we were supposed to be but until we're actually in his presence like we are never fully there like we just we can't be perfect yeah i i think that's another thing the culture in in our culture today we miss is yes god loves us he sent his son jesus to die for us and so jesus clothes us in righteousness so for the time being you know, when God looks down, he sees the righteousness of Jesus around us. Um, but it's not just smoke and mirrors because what Jesus is continually doing once we've surrendered our life to him is that term that you just use sanctification. And so Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't just clothe us in righteousness and we remain sinful. Like he is trying his best to refine us. Mm-hmm. Now we this side of heaven, we can never eliminate all the sin in our life, but it is a process of him continuing to push us and to mold us to look more like him, to Mm -hmm. look more like Christ. So that one day when we do, 
go to the throne room of the Almighty, we will be fully sanctified. Um, but in this life, we will continue to sin. We will continue to mess up. But it is, you know, the longer we walk with Christ and the more intentional we walk with Christ, the more we begin to look like him and the more he molds us. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of times people think, okay, Jesus died for me. I'm a sinner, so I'm going to keep sinning, and that's good. Um, you know, Paul Paul himself says, you know, so sh- if we're forgiven, shall we continue to sin? And he says, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, we we are to continue to look more and more like Christ every day. Um, and that's hard in and of itself. Um, but we don't just give over to our simple desires. Yeah. Um, we we try our best to sit at the feet of Jesus and be molded by him. So absolutely. I think that's great. So, Chelsea, in light of all we just talked about and us, uh, you know, God's standard is perfection and we can't be perfect. That's why we need Jesus. Um, let's talk about how we go about doing the best we can, raising our kids and how we are imperfect creatures, raising imperfect creatures to try and engage them with a perfect and holy God and creator. So what does that look like? How how do we go about doing that? Like, I'm sure we are just absolutely nailing it. Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I don't know. We, we are not nailing it, but I think we mentioned this in the very first podcast. We are very intentional um, at like apologizing to our kids and pointing out our imperfections. And we're not constantly like, you know, I mean, goodness, we mess up and sin constantly. And so we're not always pointing out every bit of those sins, but um, there are certain situations like if we just lash out on our kids for something stupid or um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many examples, but we'll sit down and. Well, let's, let's give a couple of examples because I know um, you and I give each other license to correct ourselves as parents. And so if you see I'm doing something incorrectly or I'm being too harsh, um, you know, you take the time to talk to me and be like, Hey, like you're being a little rough or you're being a little harsh. And, you know, for instance, this winter has been an absolutely rainy, rainy winter. And we've just been stuck inside. And when you're stuck inside, for with too long, no sunshine. <laughs> with no sunshine, and you and can't three go kids <laughs> and three kids under the age of seven, three, four, and one currently. Um, I get cabin fever. Like I, my mood changes yes. dramatically. Yes, it does. <laughs> so you concur? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like there's nothing. I remember just the other day we had. Uh, it was actually it rained Sunday morning, but Sunday afternoon was like clear and nice. And you were like, hey, go clean out the garage. And I went out and cleaned the garage and like spent four hours just cleaning out the garage and came back and you're like, do you feel better? And I was like, yeah, I feel a lot better. <laughs> That's almost like your eat a Snickers type thing. <laughs> um, but so my my mood, like if I get, I, I don't sit in the house well. And so when it's rainy and then we got three kids bouncing off the walls because they get cabin fever, I get very abrupt and very um, authoritative. And I'm like, do this, do that. Quit talking, quit moving. Like yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for you to go away or do something, but I'm stuck with you. Or maybe I need to go somewhere and you remind me, you're like, Hey, you, you're being, you're being a little 
grouchy. A little grouchy, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we give each other the license to be able to like, hey, like you're not you're not right in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a way, as as parent us parenting together, co-parenting, yes, we parent each other and and letting <laughs> yeah. us know that hey, in this instance, in this scenario, you're not right. Sure. Um, and then after we have time to cool off from our own selves, most of the time, you and I on our own accord will go back to our kids and be like, hey, look, daddy was just being a grouch and that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a way, what we're doing is, one, we're acknowledging in front of our kids that we aren't perfect. We're acknowledging in front of our kids that we are not always right. Right. We're acknowledging in front of our kids we are flawed human beings. Um, but one thing we also do along with that is we go back and we bring it back to Christ and we bring it back to God. And we're like, hey, look, like Jesus gives us forgiveness. So we want to give you forgiveness in certain things. Or, hey, you know, Jesus was perfect. We're not perfect. But let's talk about how that plays out in our own lives and how we want to point you back to Jesus. Sure. And uh, we don't, it's not like always a lesson. We're not like on top of it all the time, but, but I know that very quick, quickly you can just get caught up in the day-to-day routine. And one thing you and I do is we, we try to always see opportunities to use good or bad scenarios in our own parenting as life lessons and open the Bible and talk about scripture and talk about what God expects of us or talk about, you know, individuals in the Bible that, severely messed it up that Jesus, you know, was there to cover them mm-hmm. um, and talk about how they interacted with Jesus and, and how Jesus used them in a mighty way. Um, and so just because we have failures doesn't mean that we are completely useless. But at the same time, we want our kids to know God's standard still is perfection. Um, yeah. And uh, and how how do we as parents wrestle with that, letting our kids know that they are not perfect yeah and that but god still has a plan to use them in a mighty way sure and i think there's got to be a balance there because we don't want to tell our kids like you're never going to be perfect because we do need to build self-confidence in them but that self-confidence needs to come through who they are in christ and not on their own accord um and you talking for some reason this story just kept popping up in my head because it it just is apparent that we um, do share Jesus with our kids. And, you know, Matthias being four, and this happened, he was probably maybe even three, almost four. Um, And so for him just to use this terminology is pretty funny. But he had gone outside and we were sitting, you know, or I I don't know where you were, but I was sitting kind of near the front door. That's where my desk is, is near the front door. And... He comes like running into the house and he's like, I heard, I heard the Holy Ghost. I heard the Holy Ghost. And we're like, you what? It's like, I heard the Holy Ghost. And we're like, well, what did it say? And he said, Ooh. And we're like, all right. Yeah. Or, excuse me. Or, you know, there was, I think it was Matthias too that um, we were getting on to him and like punishing him for something he did wrong. And we said, hey, Matthias, like that hurts Jesus's heart. That made Jesus sad. And uh, and he looked at us like dumbfounded. He goes, well, that can't be. 
because scripture says that in heaven there is no more tears. And <laughs> yeah. so how can Jesus be sad? How can we make Jesus sad if there's no more tears in heaven? And, and you and I just looked at each other dumbfounded because we didn't know how to answer that. <laughs> yeah, and we were like, well, our four-year-old just <laughs> That's a great question. And not. And so, uh, you know, we... It's not that we want to manipulate them with Jesus. Right. Like that's not the goal. The goal is though to always see opportunities, good or bad, mm -hmm. to raise our kids to acknowledge that we have a perfect savior. Yeah. And he has a plan for their life. Again, to do mighty things. We and that's one thing we pray over them every night is Lord, allow us to be the parents that steward them and raise them to understand that you've given them a gift and ability to go change the world for your name. Sure. And that's that's what we go about doing. But, you know, as we talk about this, a verse that comes to mind is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And it's Paul speaking. And he's, you know, and actually in verse 8, Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that power, the power of Christ might rest upon me. And as parents... Man, I feel like that's a verse that we need to like shout from the mountaintops because we are imperfect. We are going to mess up this parenting thing left and right. But if we can swallow our pride and allow our kids to see Jesus through our mess ups, that's what Paul's saying here. Like his grace in it, his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. And man, what an encouragement to me as a father because I am my, like my weakness. I, I hate, I, I struggle with that. But this says that Jesus's power is made perfect through my weakness. Mm -hmm. But it's up to me as the spiritual leader to push my weaknesses out visible and not hide them and talk about them with my kids um, so that they can see how much more perfect Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're kind of throwing yourself on the bus earlier and, um, I'm going to do the same to me because we balance each other out. And, um, and there's times like for me, I struggle with perfectionism, which is funny because that's such an interesting sin when, <laughs> when like, that's what we're called to be is perfect. But the difference in, in the perfection that we were created, you know, originally created to be in the image of God um, and in the perfection that I'm striving for is like my perfection is I'm self-critical on just about everything. Like I have very, very high expectations for myself. And so I'm self-critical, but then I'm also wanting to receive positive criticism from other people. And, and so like I'm out seeking almost like a people pleaser kind of thing. Like I want people to notice and see and, and then be like, Hey, good job. You know, that looks great. And so in that way, it becomes a sin because that perfectionism is I am now, um, it's a sin, like you said, of pride, like it's pride and a sin of control because I'm actually taking the spotlight away from God and I'm now putting it on myself. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm almost idolizing myself in a way. Um, and whew, that's, that's hard to swallow. <laughs> like, um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's gotta be balance. Like we, we gotta make sure that we're, we're focusing on Jesus and well, we're laying that foundation and teaching our kids how to focus on Jesus. And, you know, like 
praise God for his grace um, and that we are forgiven, but we got to make sure like we're still focused on him and not just, oh, you know, all my sin is forgiven, like grace covers it all and just being nonchalant about it. Um, so, yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, that's a great, um, a great understanding of how, how we're supposed to interact with Christ with our kids and, you know, us talking about our, our different flaws and everything like that. And earlier you were talking about building confidence in our kids. Like, yeah, we want to have confident kids. Um, but it's funny because we can already see certain attributes playing out in our own kids. Mm -hmm. So like <laughs> Ridgely is like uber confident, not humble at all. Not humble at all. <laughs> like yes. constantly being like, I did great. You know what I mean? Like right. giving herself her own pat it's on like, the back. It's like, oh, she, oh, no. <laughs> um, but Matthias, on the other hand, is like, he's a goofball and he wants to make you laugh. But like, for instance, if I pick up my phone to start recording and doing something, Matthias melts into the floor and richly <laughs> just gets louder. Yes. Um, and, and so, closer. And closer. Yeah. And, and more, is pushing everybody out of the way. <laughs> and more exuberant. And then she's like, I want to see. I want to see what it looks like. Yes. I want to watch. And so it's kind of funny because we have a balance between our two oldest. Uh, Joey's not old enough to really figure, you know, see these things yet. She just wants to but, eat the phone. Yeah, but we have Matthias who we desperately need to build up in some more self-confidence. And we have Ridgely who we definitely need to start pushing down and saying, hey, look, God, God's given you this exuberant ability mm -hmm. to be in front of people, but it's not about you. It needs yeah. to be about Jesus. And so balancing that with a seven and a four-year-old is tough sure. um, because I want, as a man, there's nothing more than I want to have an, an independent, confident daughter. Mm -hmm. But that independence and confidence needs to be in Christ, not in herself. Yes. Um, and yes. so you and I have had multiple conversations trying to figure out how to do that without absolutely crushing her spirit. Um, and it's just something <laughs> we that we are open to suggestions <laughs> for those that have gone through this raising kids process. <laughs> so it's just, it's a process of us, you know, learning our kids, being intentional with our kids. And, you know, obviously a portion of or portion of Ridgely's confidence is probably a gift that God has given her to go make a difference in the world. Sure. So we don't want to just squash it, but mm -hmm. we want to be able to harness it and yeah. learn how to use it. Um, you know, Matthias, on the other hand, I, you know, I want him to be confident, but maybe God has gifted him in a different way, but I still want him to be confident, maybe not in himself, but definitely in who Christ is and what Christ has done in him. Mm -hmm. And so building him up in that process of saying, Hey, you know, you may not like the camera. You may not like being in front of people, but God still has a purpose for you. And I want you to be confident in that. I want you to stand firm and be encouraged and confident in that fact. Right. So um, just, you know, moving forward. But, um, you know, I think we can kind of end there. Uh, we might get in with, with one story of our very first parenting fail, maybe recently oh, oh. when we were in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. That, I don't think that was the first parenting fail. I think that's one of the first memories of like, what have we done? <laughs> so we were uh, living in North Carolina. Ridgely was just born. So she wasn't here probably six months old. No, she, no, she was older than that. Was she? Yeah, she was probably like between a year and a year and a half. Okay. Well, we, we were home one afternoon and we put her up for a nap up in her little nursery room yes. that we had. And, and, and it was after Christmas. So she was probably maybe like 14 months. 
because her birthday's January and it was right after Christmas because we had gotten those Google Homes oh, yeah. for Christmas that year. And so like she used to, I used to play the same CD. It was like a nighttime baby lullaby CD. And every night I'd play the same Kenny Loggins, like same <laughs> CD and it would play and we'd hear it through the monitor over and over and over again. So when we got these little Google Homes, I was like, oh, sweet. We can listen to different music. Like we can hear something different now. And So we put... <laughs> Uh, you put Pandora on lullabies or something nursery. Yeah, nursery and I left the room and it was, you know, definitely like sweet little lullabies. So we're sitting downstairs talking about something, doing something around the table. And all of a sudden out of the monitor, we hear this like death metal expletive slurring, just absolute rage music. Yeah, there was words that we would never repeat on this podcast coming I mean, through the monitor. Like, like. <laughs> Screamo, like. <laughs> <laughs> and we both look at each other and we were like mortified and we're like sprinting like pushing each other away to be the first one up the stairs trying to get to her as fast as we could like you would have thought there was a fire in her room or something like and so we get up there and she is still passed out sleeping like a baby and there's this screamo death metal you know cuss words slinging absolute filth coming out of the speakers and uh we both looked at each other. We were like, this parenting stuff's hard. <laughs> we're like, maybe that's where she gets her confidence now. Oh, my goodness. We ripped that sucker out of the wall. <laughs> I think we went back to Kenny Loggins. <laughs> so, well, folks, listen, uh, the truth of the matter is, is we are imperfect creatures trying to follow after and pursue a perfect God and perfect Savior. Um, and we're not going to get it right all the time. Uh, and really, we're probably not going to get it right the majority of the time. Uh, but as parents, if we can constantly stay focused on Jesus and we follow him in our own lives, mm -hmm. man, a lot of what we do just becomes natural to our kids because they can see the authenticity of it as we as we go after and follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, not just sit there and talk about, hey, you need to follow Jesus, but let's go out in this world and show them what it truly means to follow Jesus and we're not going to do that perfectly mm -hmm. and let them see those imperfections so that they know that the grace of God, you know, is over them, that Jesus clothes them in righteousness. Mm -hmm. um, but yet our God, our creator is still holy and he is just and he is righteous. And his expectation still to this day is perfection without fail, without a doubt, because if that was to change, we wouldn't need Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, folks. Well, hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, share with a friend, share with a family member. Uh, maybe you have comments or concerns. We would love to hear them all and love to engage with you. We'd love to hear your uh, parenting fails as well. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. some parenting fails. And we, we won't share them on Facebook or anything, but we would love to have a laugh ourselves so that we're not <laughs> laughing at each other. But, um, but anyways, guys, uh, go out in this world, make a difference. Make your faith often authentic to your kids as you go to follow Jesus um, and try and point them back to uh, our God and our creator uh, every day. Stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing on. See ya. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, Find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.